HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. About a year ago, in episode 251, I sat down with Sue Miller, Rachel Fritzschall, and Anthel Anthea Stoltz to talk all about cheese guilds. These three were representatives for Pennsylvania, Vermont, and California's cheese guilds. Today, we're continuing the conversation about the role of cheese guilds with the Massachusetts Cheese Guild. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm happy to introduce and welcome back to the show Susan Sturman, great friend to our show and director of the Academy, Opius Cassius. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks, Greg. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, a little bit th- um, later in the episode, we will uh, have Gannon Long on. She is uh, stuck underground or above ground in a train somewhere. Um, so we're going to get her take <laughs> on the cheese guilds as well. <laughs> That's all right. You know, we, we work with these things. Um, I wanted to kick off this episode by reading an ep- excerpt from the homepage of the Massachusetts Cheese Guilds website. In 1624, the first dairy cows are brought to the Boston area by the settlers from England, birthing artisanal cheese making in America. Great cheeses are still made here on our lands between the stone walls and the sky. Our 28 cheesemakers have won more awards per capita than any state in the nation. Mass Cheese Guild members celebrate those achievements and support our artisans. I have to say that makes me proud to be from Massachusetts. I really, uh, you know, you know I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, and, 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 and that really, uh, for me, um, hits home. You know, when I started to work yeah. in cheese, I, um, you know, I'd always knew there's a lot of cheese around me, but I wasn't completely aware of the history. You know what I mean? Absolutely, that and the Red Sox in the past. Yeah, well, you know, I had a hell of a good game yesterday. They beat up the Steelers. That made me happy. That made my whole weekend. 
Um, <laughs> maybe um, you could uh, start off, Sue, by telling us a little bit about um, when and why the Massachusetts Cheese Guild was formed. Uh, the Mass Cheese Guild was formed, mm, I think it was about three or four years ago now. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's fairly, it's one of the newer guilds. Um, in the country, there are some 25 guilds in various stages of maturity, um, uh, which is a pretty impressive, Absolutely. pretty impressive thing. Um, and uh, it was formed, as all the guilds were formed, because cheesemakers spend an awful lot of time on their farms and in their make rooms and don't have a lot of contact with their direct colleagues. And it really is important to cheesemakers to have a community. And, you know, life these days and the conversation about life is all about bubbles, right? The cheesemaker really lives in a bubble. And, um, And so I've recently been starting to think about bubbles in terms of Venn diagrams. I don't know if all the yeah, listeners sure. know what a Venn diagram is, but it's, it's two circles that overlap with an ellipse where they overlap. Certainly. And, 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 and the overlap represents synergies, and um, I think each cheesemaker in joining a guild creates a Venn diagram, a, an overlap with every other cheesemaker, and then looking a little bit bigger, each of the guilds has a can, can have intersections with each of the other guilds, and then there's the intersection with the ACS. And so, you know, I think a really great approach in this very fraught and, and, and fragmented political times is for us to start looking at where are the intersections, where do we where do we empower one another, where do we find commonality, uh, where can we find places to intersect and share, um, and that's what I think guilds are really all about. And they're very cheesemaker driven. Yeah, without them, you know, we're all just sort of puttering around talking about nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, With nothing delicious to put in our mouth. Exactly. No, I agree. Yeah, and this is a super divisive time. And um, and I like to be a part of, or, um, I was just at the Mass Cheese Guild's annual meeting, and um, it was fantastic uh, just to be there and around everybody um, that was coming together, you know? And, uh, I agree. There's, you know, that old adage, there's safety in numbers, um, it kind of rings true a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a really interesting. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the American Cheese Society just this year um, did a, a first seminal um, survey of the cheese industry, the artisanal cheese industry. And we've just published the results. They're at the booth at, Fancy, at the ACS booth at the Fancy Food Show. And we discovered some really, really interesting things that most of the cheesemakers in this country, the small, the, the artisanal cheesemakers, are actually farmstead. They actually have their own animals. That's interesting. Um, but another thing that's really fascinating, 25% of them don't make any money. They have no profit. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I'm sorry? Why do you think that is? Cheesemaking is really hard to beat. Do in a sustainable way, and hence it's really critical for the guilds to, to to come together and you know pool resources and pool expertise and empower one another and find solutions together. It's interesting you say that, and um, I wanted to welcome Gannon Long. Gannon, are you with us? 
I am. Hey, Thank you so nice. Much for having me. <laughs> it's a Yay, pleasure. You it's made a, it. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, I most uh, recently um, met uh, Sue and I. We go way back, but I most re- I recently have just met Gannon um, over at the at the Mass Cheese Guild. Uh, we've been trying to do a little bit of work uh, together so I can help my own uh, place, Italy, support the Mass Cheese Guild. Um, maybe um, just before we get back into, um, into that um, juicy discussion with Sue, um, you could tell us a little bit about yourself, Gannon, and uh, what, you, yeah. what your role is with the Mass Cheese Guild. Absolutely. Well, I've been working with cheeses from all over the world for a few years, um, and most recently before this I was in D.C. working with a lot of uh, mid-Atlantic cheeses there. So uh, in July 2015, I joined um, the trustees shop at the Boston Public Market, which is a partnership between the trustees, a statewide land conservation group protecting 116 special places around Massachusetts, including six working farms. Um, One of our farms is called Appleton Farms. It's up in Ipswich. This is the oldest continuously working farm in the country. Amazing. Amazing. And so when we were starting the public market, we wanted to be sure that Appleton products were represented, but also we wanted to, we, we knew that there wouldn't be enough of them. So we have milk and cheese, but we, we didn't have enough products really. So we were able to strike a wonderful, uh, partnership with the Massachusetts Cheese Guild and the guild represents now 28. I think at the time it was 23. So it's obviously a very fast growing, uh, organization. And we brought in, you know, we started with 11 cheesemakers. Today we represent 20 different Massachusetts cheesemakers. So I have recently joined the uh, board of directors of the Guild, and for me it's just a wonderful opportunity to really get to know the stories of artisanal cheesemaking and, as Sue was talking about, farmstead, you know, cheese operations and dairy farming. It's a big part of our history here in New England and especially Massachusetts. So it's something that we really are honored and take a lot of pride in telling the stories of the farmers and sharing their cheeses with the people of Boston. That's awesome. What sort of projects um, are you going to undertake to get the word out there about Massachusetts cheese? What do you got in the hopper? Well, you know, one of the we just kind of came off a big holiday season, which yep. is fantastic. Obviously, uh, we're all we're excited to still. see the Patriots. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and we're excited to see the Patriots in the Super Bowl oh, in a couple yeah. weeks. That's usually a big cheese opportunity, you know. Um, but one, of, I think, probably the next really big event we're trying to do is we're working with a lot of folks, uh, Greg, you know, folks from the Guild, folks from farms, different scientists, uh, educational partners, and we're planning a big. Uh, sort of educational and party kind of cheese-related event going on in the kitchen at the Boston Public Market for raw milk cheese appreciation. So this is an international cheese uh, holiday. Um, For some of us, every day is, but this is a particularly well-recognized international cheese holiday, and so we're going to do our best to know, partner up with our collaborators locally, including, you know, Jasper Hill and all of our farmers, um, and really make something special, really fill the market with cheese during that weekend. That's going to be Easter weekend, uh, April 15th. That's fantastic. How do you guys go about fundraising for the Guild? Sue, what, Sue or again, and you could jump in. Um, well, well, we have, Sue, uh, Sue you probably know more about this, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, you're, you and I Who probably makes know. the money? <laughs> but um, we have a, an annual cheese festival that we've uh-huh. done for this. We've just done it for the third year. It happens in late fall, um, and uh, it's uh, we bring together many of the makers 
who are there. So it's a bit of a meet the maker. Yeah. Um, last year we had some educational seminars as well, um, a sensory analysis seminar and a couple of others. One, you know, different different speakers and different cheesemakers, always focusing on the cheesemakers. Um, and um, we that it, we this year it was phenomenally successful. It's grown incrementally as we've learned how to do it and do it better. Um, and so this past year it was tremendously successful. We made a lot of money. We had wonderful press coverage. We were we had a long line out door waiting for tickets. We had to stop selling tickets in advance to Crazy. reserve tickets for our members. It was, it was a great event. We're going to continue to do that. Um, we are a guild that is not exclusive to cheesemakers. Some guilds are exclusive to cheesemakers. We do uh, welcome and encourage enthusiast members because they're the consumers that, as you said, Greg, you know, without people eating the cheese, you know, the cheesemakers are really not sustainable. Um, so uh, we got a lot of new membership from that and uh, some new buzz. Um, we support our cheesemakers with the shop at the public market because it's an outlet for them to sell their sell their cheese and promote it. Um, I do my little bit every now and then by um, uh, by doing cheese tastings that feature uh, that feature all Massachusetts cheeses. I've just scheduled another one coming up in March. Um, those are really fun, but that's not a fundraising event for the guild. Those are fundraisers for other. Yeah, that sounds like you've got good ideas to come in. You know, Sue, you mentioned something to me that I found uh, um, interesting um, in a way. When I've talked to dairy uh, farmers, uh, a lot of them start making cheese because it adds value to their milk. Um, And um, I found um, your comment interesting um, that you were, you know, you were saying that it's uh, that the cheese making wasn't sustainable as the guild grows and um, as you gather more cheese makers. What's the single, um, you know, if you guys could uh, uh, narrow it down, what's the single most prohibitive thing that the, that the, the cheesemakers are up against right now? Is it legislation? Is it the price of milk? Um, is it all of those things? I'm not sure that there is a definitive answer to that. I mean, in the case of Manyfold Farm, uh, which has just ceased cheesemaking down in Atlanta, yeah. uh, in Georgia, it was the fact that... Um, the animals weren't getting enough milk, and you couldn't. There's a there's there is a ceiling, as you well know, as a retail Greg and yeah. and Gannon, you know, as a retailer, there's a hard ceiling that the beyond which the public will not spend money for cheese, um, and yeah. there is a bottom line set of expenses. They were very committed to having all pasture raised animals, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, there's not a lot of room for margin between that, um, and yeah. so that's you know. Do you have enough milk, and can you add enough value to pay all of the infrastructure that it takes to make and to to farm, to manage the animals, to transform the milk into cheese, and to transform the cheese and age it into something and get it to market? Now, um, now, how does the guild? How will uh, will a cheese guild? And I'm not asking this in a, an aggressive way. Like, how will it, will a cheese guild? Um, pr- protect or or give the cheesemakers some ammunition. You know what I mean. What's the single most important function, I guess, of the guild for the for the cheesemakers? What do you think, Gannon? I mean, I really love to see the guild as a place that people come together who are passionate about cheese, are passionate about dairy farming, are passionate about local food, and to create opportunities. 
Um, so there might be different opportunities for different farmers. There might be different niches for different types of cheeses. And so I think what the Guild really offers is the expertise of people from all different perspectives, you know, whether they're educational, whether they're entrepreneurial, whether they're agricultural, whether they're policy-related, um, and trying to kind of find those sweet spots of who, who do we connect with who uh, in order to create the right type of opportunities for our farmers. I, I guess just kind of getting back to your previous question, I think part one of the challenges is just, you know, it is the price of milk. It is partly that the, the price of milk hasn't risen much in the I last, know. you know, couple of decades. And so to be able to make money off of that can be a challenge, but it's also the size of your herd. I think one of the, um, you know, it's really a question for some of our cheesemakers where as you grow and you become more successful, you might be able to add more cows, you might be able to, um, you know, increase your margins a little bit. But then you also have people that are making farmstead cheeses, as Sue discussed, and they're really passionate about the quality of their products. And so sometimes as you're scaling up, you're not able to ensure the same level of, um, you know, you're not necessarily able to taste every wheel or you're not before it goes to the distributor. Right. Um, sometimes the distributor might hold it in a way that, you know, might not work the best for you or doesn't represent the cheese the best way. And so the less, you know, as you scale up your business or your, your farming operation, you also have to give up control of certain things. And so some cheesemakers are able to really find that right balance. Um, but I think a lot of them are still working on either coming up with the right economy of scale for their herd size or their productivity, or figuring out is it worth it to pay, you know, to, to cut the price a little bit and increase our volume while also, you know, putting your product in somebody else's hands. And one thing I just hear from our farmers so much is they, they really appreciate in a small shop, you know, the attention that you're able to give to each cheese and the story that you're able to tell. Um, and I, I think if you're able to do that, I, I absolutely agree, Sue, you're right that there's a there's a cap, there's a ceiling sort of to, to buying cheese. But at the same time, if you're able to really describe the value and to tell the story of what people are getting, um, I have found people are very happy to support uh, businesses and operations that are doing things, you know, treating their land and their animals sustainably and really putting a lot of care into their products. That's something people really do appreciate. Is it, has it been hard to convince the cheesemakers of the importance of the guild, or are they joining up left and right? It seems like you know you've grown it, so most of them seem to get it. But um, has it been difficult for you to find to find members on the cheesemaking level, or to get them to come and participate because they're they're busy all the time, right? I mean, they're they're making cheese, they're running their farms. It can I be difficult got, to get them off the farm. <laughs> that's what I yeah. that's what I figured. But I think we've got pretty much we've got almost comprehensive coverage um, in terms of membership. Almost all of the cheesemakers in Massachusetts are members of the Guild. I believe there may be a small handful that are not yet members. But so they yeah. do see the value. I mean, we do have a couple of initiatives that we discussed at the annual meeting that we were that you that we were all at last yeah. week. Um, one was, and, and we sort of kind of got a, had an informal vote on, on these, and one is to um, pool our resources through the guild, through the memberships and, and the money that we've raised to pay for uh, Monsi to come and maybe do a sensory analysis workshop that people seem to find, you know, that there would be a lot of value in that. We're also looking at establishing a regulatory committee within the guild who could be really looking at, you know, what's coming down the road and advising cheesemakers on, you know, what are they, you know, what are the priorities in terms of, you know, what they need to be paying attention to with FISMA coming down the road and right. local local reg, um, legislation and local regulations, because those are different state to state. The ACS can provide 
information on federal, but it's much harder, you know, for us to, as an AC, as an American Cheese Society, to delve down into the state to state. Yeah. And that's where the local guilds can interact with the local, um, you know, ag colleges and the local areas of, you know, people, specialists that can really help them. And, you know, we could also hire a, uh, a cheesemaking uh, consultant to come in and do a master class or a workshop or a problems, problem solving session that cheesemakers could attend. So those are, those are some of the ways that, um, that the, Guild is supporting cheesemakers in improving what they do, in learning, in increasing their skill set so that they can move yeah. more and more towards sustainability. And having the shop is phenomenal. Well, that's it's really the really, thing. Really, really great. Like, like I, you know, as a retailer, you know, I was really happy to be a part of the Guild. And when I was asked, you know, what can I do to contribute, um, you know, I was like, well, I, I just want to sell more cheese from Massachusetts, you know. Right. Yeah. And so right. I think it's really um, – and what I saw – um, at the at the meeting, which was really um, comforting to me, is that there were other retailers there too. You know, um, because yeah. you know we're um, we're important. You know, the more cheese we sell, we hope to force the cost down a little. Um, then we get you know we get people more used to um, you know to <clears throat> to paying for cheese and why it's why it's you know it's okay to buy a smaller piece of cheese from us rather than a giant block of government cheese from somebody else, yeah. you know? And, and last year, the Guild um, actually I, managed to get some uh, funding to run some programs and produce some point-of-sale information about Massachusetts cheese. Yeah. So people could do specials, retailers could do special yeah. promotions of all mass cheese. And we've also been working with um, restaurants to do uh, mass cheese uh, uh, events at their restaurants. Shannon, you were going to say something. Sorry. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've been thinking about as as a retailer and just as someone who wants to see folks just grow their their sales, as you're talking about, Greg. Um, one of the things I'm going to be working on this year is working to use some resources from the guild in order to promote cheese through just live demos at different spots. Yeah, so, that seems like a great you know, idea. For some, sometimes just having somebody to, you know, just having uh, 20 bucks to pay for a pound, you know, for however much cheese to sample out or a few different cheeses to sample out and then, you know, a few a few more dollars to, to hire somebody to do a demo for a couple of hours. That's a relatively cheap way to really promote cheese if you have, you know, and, and not just, in a, you know, in our shop, that's, we focus exclusively on Massachusetts cheese. And so our, our team knows a lot about our farms and knows a lot about our cheeses and is able to talk about them in an educated way. We have a great team of volunteers, but we also have, you know, operating expenses and it's easy. It's, it's one of, it's just one less thing that you, you know, we do a lot of sampling, of course, in the shop to sure. help introduce people to the cheese. But if there's one, if there's any way you can sort of increase that margin a little bit or just give the cheese a little bit more exposure, that really helps. And I, I kind of think of it for larger retailers that might, you know, a Whole Foods or a Roach Brothers or a Trader Joe's or a Italy or somebody else that has a lot more, big, much bigger team and a lot of different cheeses to compete with Massachusetts cheese. You know, I think that's an extra thing if we have somebody like Sue or me going into, into the spot. You know, teaching the ta- the staff about it, talk- telling a couple of stories, and those are things that cheesemongers, who really are the person on the front lines, they're the people who are introducing the public to the different cheeses. Um, th- that's a great way to kind of ke- keep the momentum going and keep those stories going. So Absolutely. that's one of the things I'm going to be looking to do is just kind of putting a little bit of resources behind you know that kind of sampling and demo program, and I think that'll pay huge dividends for both retail well, members you. and as well as 
for the cheesemakers. Uh, as a retailer, um, anytime I can get free labor coming and helping me sell cheese, you know, I'm all about that. Look, we're going to have to take a short break, uh, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the Mass Cheese Guild and other guilds and their relationship to the American Cheese Society. So hang out with us for a minute. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here with Gannon Long and Sue Sturman of the Mass Cheese Guild talking about guilds and stuff. Uh, they said Wisconsin makes the best cheese in the world, but I bet you you ladies might argue with that. You might say that <laughs> Massachusetts makes the best cheese in the world. Um, far, far be it from us to disesponsor of Exactly, exactly. Um, so I wanted to turn our attention a little bit more to how the Mass Cheese Guild works with the American Cheese Society. Sue, I know you work closely with the Member Services Committee as their co-chair. Um, can you just give us and our listeners an idea of how the Mass Cheese Guild is going to work with the ACS or how they currently work with the ACS? Yeah, I mean, it's, it comes back to this sort of concept of Venn, Venn diagrams. And, yeah. and we're actually in the process of working out what this might evolve into. So we don't really know yet, but we've got some notions that we're talking about. And on the Member Services Committee, um, we've reached out and we actually have a number of executive directors of guilds around the country on our committee. Um, and one thing that, that we did out of uh, a, converse, a meeting that we had with all the, all the guilds at the ACS conference last summer was came up with a, um, we established a face, private Facebook group for cheese guilds, uh-huh. and all the EDs are on it, and it's a just a, it's a Venn diagram in itself. It's a place where they can have conversations with each other, you know, reach out and say, hey, you know, we're we're doing our first festival. How do you do it? Or what do we, what do you want to avoid? Or you know, do you have what's your what's your membership structure? Do you do you, do you welcome uh, 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 enthusiast members or do you not? What's the conversation right. about that? What's the best way to do it? So that was one thing that we did. We're also hoping to create a, um, through the American uh, the, um, Education Foundation at the ACS, 
Uh-huh. We're hoping we haven't got we haven't got word yet, so this is for sure. But we're hoping that they will fund a website that's going to be cheeseguilds.org, and it'll be a place that'll show up in guilds in in, in in internet searches that anybody that's looking for a guild anywhere in the states, that's going to be the central place, and it'll have links to all of the guilds. It'll have calendars. Uh, a calendar that shows all guild events across the country and uh, and really be a, a central hub where people can find out about the guild uh, in one central, you know, one-stop shopping kind of place. That's pretty um, awesome. But, and and uh, uh, something that came out of the strategic planning uh, session that we did last fall on the ACS board, looking forward for the next several years for the ACS, is maybe we want to start looking at doing some regional events and the guilds are phenomenal partners in that. We haven't had conversations to get down to the nitty-gritty of that. I have some personal ideas. So the ideas I'm about to express are personal. I am not speaking for the ACS at the moment. I need to be clear about that. That's okay. Some ideas that I'm going to be bringing to the table are if we have a one-day event in Massachusetts, maybe we could get partnership from maybe not just Massachusetts but all the New England guilds. And they have members, they have volunteers, and they know what's on the ground. And they also know what their needs are. So they could draw on the ACS because we've got lots of content that we can, that the ACS can provide. We have a library of conference seminar proposals that haven't been used that, you know, are, they're just, it's an archive that we could draw on for content and the guilds could choose the content that they think would be most valuable for them. We organize the event. We, we drive partnership. Through partnership, we drive membership into both of the the, uh, the members, the, the, the organizations, and we provide education for the guilds um, and visibility for the ACS, enhanced visibility for the guilds. So it's kind of a win-win situation. It sounds pretty good to me. Access, it also gives access locally to people who might not be able to get from, for instance, Massachusetts to Denver, which is where our conference this summer is. Right. It may be too far to go, too expensive, and too long a time, but a one-day session where you can drive, get there, get back, no hotel, no flight, you know, could be a great access point to some of the richness that's available at, um, you know, through the ACS and get it out there to the guild. What do you think, Gannon? You liking all that? That sounds awesome. I mean, I, I was, and I'm more familiar with just sort of the the local level. Um, but I know I think the the idea of having every every all of the resources combined in one place is really fantastic. I, I think the the Massachusetts Cheese Guild has done a tremendous job. I know it's a project that our executive director Beth Falk is still working on, um, as it is always with technology and ongoing uh, you know project. But um, one of the things. The Massachusetts done so well is just running a website that just has really great comprehensive information. The Great Cheeses of Massachusetts um, programs has been tremendous, where it just really just educates folks. We get um, we have a lot we have brochures produced for. Uh, I think I think Sue probably knows the right way to say this, but uh, I think there was a grant that the the state dairy board gave or the agriculture sure. department gave to the guild in order to promote Massachusetts cheeses. And let me tell you, every day we have the brochures up in our in our store. Um, it is by far our most popular brochure that we give yeah. <laughs> out because people just love learning about cheese. They love you know, all of the different styles, they love all of the different things. And so for me, as somebody who's looking to buy different cheeses, is looking to work with new farms, right. it's great to have everybody's information all in one place. 
you know, you can see that. And, and so I think I, I think Beth is working on ways to consolidate everything that's available um, and, you know, make that even easier for people, which I think also is going to create more opportunities for the cheesemakers. I think it's great. You know, I mean, I've done a bunch um, of these shows um, and I've, you know, I've talked with, you know, um, with all the guys. One thing I noticed is that the Guild is a very cheese lady heavy thing. You know what I mean? Like almost all the people I've interviewed have all been ladies in cheese. So you, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't interviewed a man guild guy. I'm a, a guild guy. So um, I want. Yeah, yeah, there uh, are, there are, there are. Tom, Tom Bivens is yes, 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 the director of the Guild, and Eric Rector. I'm just saying that I've only the, interviewed the ladies in cheese guild. on the on the guild. That's that's all. All all my guests have been ladies of cheese in the in, okay. in the various guilds. Maybe. Maybe that says more about you, Greg, than about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to Maybe end you're right away. I don't know about that, um, but it's been um, it's been phenomenal to, for me to see um, just the the growth uh, of of the guilds. And I mean, and I asked the the questions in my mind. Like you know, I'm I'm always operating um, from um, a retail level, you know, and uh, as a retailer. You know, you want access to farmers and farms, and you want to be able to have as close contact with the cheese and the cheesemakers as you can. But it's a lot of information to manage. Do you know what I mean? So any time right. that, uh, that a group of individuals can either put something together for me so I, so I can go to a point person at a guild and say, I'm interested in this farm, this farm, this farm – and you can make the introductions. They would say, hey, we'd love to sell you cheese. We don't have enough cheese or we have this, you know. Um, and you, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where, I, where I see it benefiting um, me. And ultimately, like I said, you need us, us people um, on the counters around, you know, because we have to, you know, we have to sell cheese for you, you know. So I, I, right. it's really – it's been interesting for me. Yeah, our yeah. Uh, our annual festival where we draw so many of our cheesemakers to be at the festival is a phenomenal place for our local retailers to go yeah. and meet the cheesemakers themselves, yeah. um, and yeah. you know, and and you know, talk to them and taste their cheeses and really get their stories, so that when they are talking to their customers at the counter, they can say, oh, you know, you know, so and so at this farm is just a phenomenal person yeah. and he has this great story, and oh, we had a beer the other night, and that brings it. You know, really, to it, it makes it very vivid and very real and very accessible. Yeah, to the customers. So I mean, I, I want to work you with send it. your whole cheese staff to the next mass cheese field, <laughs> and then you right. can you can work the counter while uh, while they're all there. How about that? We can, oh, I'll step right. in for the That <laughs> <laughs> we just missed the last uh, we just missed the mass um, the cheese festival, but we'll be around. I have a feeling like Italy will be around next year too, um, and uh, we'll try to we'll try to join up. I've been. Um, enjoying my conversations, my initial conversations with you again, and, and uh, I definitely want to work uh, with the Mass Cheese Guild for the education, you know what I mean, and to sell more cheese for Rum Milk Cheese Appreciation Day. And um, I would encourage any, you know, any retailers, um, you know, across anybody who's listening to the show, you know, even, even enthusiasts, just uh, check out. Agricultural guilds are important. Um, you know, they protect things yeah. that we like. And, uh, yeah. you know, getting involved in them, even on an enthusiast level, um, makes you empowered. You know what I mean? You can tell your friends to to buy this stuff or to do this or why we do that, you know? 
And so I'm, I'm real happy. I'm happy that the guilds are out there. And I'm also um, very happy that both of you ladies took a little bit of time out of your day. Gannon, I thought you were going to be a, a casualty, but uh, you snuck in there. I really, uh, you know. You know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. You know, the, the, MBT, you know, the, the, the MBTA oh, has yeah. you know, probably hundreds of thousands of people on Saturday. They operate yep. no problem. But, you know, a, a typical Monday afternoon, sometimes things happen. Well, so, as, as Massachusetts um, has, you know, the nation's old oldest working dairy farms it also has the nation's oldest and creakiest subway system so um, you know. that's right <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of old here, stuff <laughs> hey man and i lived there for years well i want to thank you for coming on and thank everybody for listening and uh, check out the mass cheese guild online get involved and make sure you stay tuned next week for more cutting the curd take care and nowhere no matter where you Thanks. live join your local guild yes do it up Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.